Do you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why? You know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you thought round one was full of overreactions, welcome to round two. Things are just getting started. The 2-0 teams are on their way to a premiership. The 0-2 teams are on their way to a wooden spoon. But with me today to bring us all back down on an even, calm, cool, collected level is the super coach himself, Barrel. I don't know if I can keep handling being called the super coach. <laughs> it's just until you, until you lose the premiership, mate. You're the super coach. Oh, jeez. And yeah, well, if you think I'm going to bring some clarity to what's going on in the footy world, you, I don't know if I'll be able to do that either because I, don't, I can't get a read on anyone at the moment. Can we trust any team? No. And I'll tell you around two, and I've got some thoughts on it, but uh, yeah, it's a bit, a bit hard for tiffing at the moment. You used to call me on my cell phone. night when you need my love. Call me on my so we'll stick away from tipping to begin with. We'll get you on the blower, the hot topics from the week, and the first one. You're an old school dude. You saw the game on Sunday. Is the AFL getting soft? Yeah. Uh, it's been commentated a lot on by, you know, blokes like Carey, Brown. The even, tough nuts. Yeah, even Watto and Gary Lyon. And I understand with some of their arguments, you know, yes, the AFL has come out and said, you know, we're want to stop these things from happening but come on a bit of niggle a bit of push and shove it happens 500 times in a game it happens so much it's unbelievable and they pick out something like that that baffles me Jaeger Amira and, and the Sicily one was and there's other instances during the, during the weekend where you just saw some free kicks and um, yeah I know we're about to get on to something about the AFL and the rules but I'll, I'll wait for that but yeah it's, it's always getting impossible for umpires to interpret what's going on so before we get to the umpires, you are the coach on the uh, the pod. What would you say to Amira in Sicily if you were Clarko? Is it just like a don't worry about it? Do you do you, or is it a case of come on, fellas, pull your heads in? You knew that they know the rules. That's, they would have been told the rules, or hopefully the um, like the umpires, the umpires coach yeah, and the AFL would have told the the, told Amira, the Amira one. Like, I don't really have a problem with. Yeah, I think that's. That was that was silly. Like that got over that overturned a free kick as well. Yes. Again, like you see that happen twenty, thirty times in a in a weekend. You saw Hodgie pretty much smack a bloke in the head in front of the umpire. He watched it and told him off, and they paid no free kick. Yeah. At, you know, a couple a couple of meters down the road, and then there's things like that going on. Sicily. I mean, he's got a record, doesn't he? So yeah. that probably counts against him. Umpires probably have a preconceived opinion of Sicily because he can be he's got a bit white line fever and, and all that sort of thing which is fine I'd encourage that as a coach but also you know you have to know your limitations and what you can and can't do and what he did was there was probably nothing wrong the only one was probably the 50 he gave yeah you can't when once you quite start calling an umpire F's and C's and stuff you've gone too far but but to be fair they would already lost the game with that and that was just frustration he thought stuff that we're already done I'm yeah. just going to let loose this umpire but just get back to that as well like there's nothing, but the um, what the umpires paid wouldn't have mattered in the end. I don't think I think Hawks were out on their feet. Uh, doggies had run and rugged all that. Pretty much that second quarter, doggies should have put them away anyway and didn't didn't capitalise the inside fifties. And they were down the two on the bench, you know, plus playing probably a player that's only about eighty percent fit and Scully. They were they were there for the taking anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered if those free kicks hmm. were paid or not. I think that the doggies were eventually going to run over the top of them. 
but uh, the margin might have been smaller and our bet of unders probably would have been saved as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the third part of that is the umpires, of course, and not so much that one. There is a crackdown and it's been out in the media, so you can go see it in every other news outlet about is it a closed fist, is it an open fist? My more point is this, is there too, is the, are the AFL rules too hard to umpire? And so, yes, you've got this one, which is more of a crackdown than a rule, but also the one that really irked me was deliberate out of bounds. So this uh, Essendon St Kilda game, there were two in a quarter paid where the defender shanks it off his boot. One was a legit shank. The other one was a kick, he tried to kick it to space for himself. Yeah. And they also paid a deliberate um, rush behind. And then at the other end, about probably 10 minutes later, Zaka Arcus did the same mm. thing. Exactly the same thing. If you put both replays there and didn't have jumpers on, you'd think it was the same thing. And it didn't get paid. So I'm going to harp on about this. So I've been on Twitter already about it as well. Make umpires full-time. I think I went on a spiel about this last year. Yeah. You have to make umpires full-time. Pick your 20, full-time, get them to work together, train together. Because there's so many rules in AFL that are open to everyone's inter- interpretations. Your interpretation will be different to mine. Yeah. So it's how I see that rule because it's a, most of the rules are grey. Yeah. If they train and work together on every rule... Then all their rules are the same. They become more consistent when they pay it and everyone will be happy. As long as the umpiring is consistent week to week and you know what you're going to cop, everyone's happy. Hmm. But when you go one week to the next and it changes... and and game to game as well when you're watching it or you're a coach and you see that down the road you can punch a bloke in the neck but up here you can't hit their jumper it even gets frustrating at local level because you you watch the previous week games and you watch a Friday night game and see what's get paid I guarantee you you rock up the next day these umpires would have watched that game and they go I've seen it on TV I'm going to start paying it yeah yeah it just needs to be a lot just make them full time and I guarantee you if you get full time umpires with a proper job, proper salary, all that stuff, proper academy and everything, you get more player, former players going back and umpiring because they see it as a job opportunity to stay in the game. Mm. Instead of it, now you've got to work your way through all the levels, get paid peanuts before... You beforehand, know, yeah. Beforehand. So, so players won't do that. They'll go play bush footy or, or try and find the best way to make a life for them outside of once they finish an AFL. Mm. But if they've got a, a job where you know, they might earn eighty to 100000 a year straight out of AFL, they can keep fit stay in the game that's, they might tend to do it and then you get umpires who understand the game understand what's going on so for me AFL it's, it's, I think it's the only part of our game it's not professional so mm. sort it out make them professional build an academy let's go from there and the other way you can do it too is you get you, then you can involve people that didn't quite make it at AFL level as well for those who are too small or not, not heavy enough or not tall enough or whatever then they can go and be like well I played all the way through the TAC Cup yeah. Or I made a list and I got delisted, but now I still want to be involved. And then you still know the rules that way as well. And then you got them developing at a younger age, so you got them fitter for longer and all that kind of stuff. And like it, every other sport does, really. And then it filters down. Like, you know, it gives some more money to grassroots, like big competitions like the VAFA, who are massive, you know, Eastern Free League, Eastern Free League, and get them developing and actually paying the umpires more, get them on a more semi-professional basis. And it just it escalates through and through the mm. system. So... Yeah, that's, that's my take on it. All right, speaking of your takes, time for some hot ones. It's two rounds in. We've seen 18 games of footy. Can we determine if teams are really real yet? And that is both really good and really bad. And we'll start with really good. Let's be positive here. So of the 2-0 and o teams, who do you think is real? Geelong's on top of the ladder. Are we backing in Geelong? If they stay fit, yes. So obviously they included uh, players like Dalhouse and... Um, Gary Rowan. Gary Rowan from other teams. Never added a bit. Don't get me wrong, but 
and Charlie Constable's been really good in his first two games. Mm-hmm. Same with Tim Kelly, who we're concerned might want to be going home. Yeah, he's, but he's, he's putting he's, in a hundred. He's backing himself. Yeah, he's backing it up. So obviously he wants to get back home. And he's doing everything he can to help Geelong out, which is good for both to, good both parties. But you look at their top six or seven from the weekend in you know possession getters and stuff like that. It's still your Danger Fields, your Kellys, Duncan's, Ablett's, Dayhouse. So they're relying on the same thing. Obviously not relying as much on Joel Selgs. Only had eighteen touches. But my concern, and it'll be the same for Hawthorne and a few other teams that have started well, and you go back to last year as well, and we talked about this a bit last week with Freo and Gold Coast and those sorts of teams winning their first three or four out of five or six. Once they start getting a few injuries because their top end's good, but they drop away fairly, fairly quickly, mm-hmm. that's my main concern for Geelong. They don't have the depth that probably a Collingwood West, West Coast, um, those sorts of teams have. And, yeah, I think if they get one or two really bad injuries or some injuries, blokes missing for a few weeks, they might drop off a bit. But I think it should be a finals team now. They've they've got the nucleus there. Like, uh, you know, Radig, Big Sav, Radagugalua didn't play last year and we saw how good he was yeah. early and he straightens them up a lot as well, even though he didn't get much of it. He still takes a body and a lot of attention. Um, and, yeah, their back line stands up. I'm still a bit worried about Harry Taylor, but... That's, that's that's just a that's just your own personal that's grudge. My own personal grudge. It's not a personal grudge, but you just don't rate it, and that's fair enough. But they're back the young bikes, and it's good to see that Scott's done that. He's back, you know, they're constable, and they're, they're he mentioned they made a big deal of it in the post game after they smashed Melbourne the weekend to say that the weather changed, and it was the young blokes who also said, like amongst themselves in their own groups, we need to do this now, we need to do that now. Yeah. So obviously, we've always known that they're a pretty well drilled unit. Reece Stanley's played two. The best games, yeah. um, you know, and they keep finding blokes like you know they've already found that obviously it's Tom Stewart, but you know Atkins is playing a role, obviously Constable, and yeah they keep finding these sorts of you know blokes from country footy that they're good at doing what they do down there, a bit like Sydney I suppose where they keep finding players to fill holes and and uh, and Hawthorne as well, mm. and yeah they're doing really well and they've obviously got their own little tight knit unit down there so. Good on them. Yeah. I am uh, joining you in the concern though about their depth, especially when. Chris Scott came out in the media today and said, oh, we were thinking about resting Gary for the Adelaide game. We don't really want to travel him, tra- see him travel that much. But then, oh, he's going so well, we're going to play him. Which is what you said there. Like, he's still in their top three or four performers every week. Yeah. Even though pre-season, Scott said, oh, don't expect Gary to win us a flag. But now you're keeping him playing, even though he had him scheduled to miss. Yeah. It's all a little bit concerning, and especially, like, it's round three. Like, if he should be missing. If he had him scheduled to miss... Probably let him rest then. If that was your plan the whole season. Well, the problem is as well, a lot of the VFL teams haven't started playing yet. They're playing practice matches. So how much form can you take out of practice matches? Yeah, to bring someone in instead of Gary. And it's yeah. a big drop and no one would fill his hole anyway. So I can see why the case There's is There's a few good... Like Narkel, for instance, like he could probably come in and play a role. It's not probably as good as Gary, but that similar sort of role. All right, second team, the absolute surprise packet, the dynamic Brisbane Lions. Charlie Cameron is leading the way with that team. Is this the early season flash of the pan before it burns out back into the season? Or are they going to make funnels now? Oh, I'm still not confident to go all in. Yeah. But my chips are starting to... Shift across the shift table across, a little bit. Yeah. I reckon Lockie Neal is an upgrade on beams. I'd say... I think Lockie Neal has... He's playing like a boy who has a chip on his shoulder. He's obviously been stuck in Nat Five's shadow over in Fremantle. And he's like, no, nah, people don't rate me because they just thought, oh, I get the cheap touches because everyone tags five. And he's come out and proved a point in the first two I've, weeks. I've so. always rated him, but he's like the first, I've watched I've watched Brisbane first two games, and he's gone all new level. My bigger concern is they still give up 
big leads in the first quarter. They've got a history yeah. of that, and they, they did again. They gave up a big lead up pretty much into half time. Um, it's nearly you know 20, 30 points. I think it might have got out to nearly thirty points. I think at some point, mm-hmm. but they got back in the game through their midfield, especially at centre clearances. I think they. Well, they're number basically number one or equal number one in the competition at the moment with uh, Melbourne in yeah. terms of sending clearance well, wins. Neal, McCluggage, Barry, those sorts of blokes like Zorko, um, you know, Lions adds a bit as well. They they got a really good they got a, a deep deep midfield and you know, Rainer hasn't even got going yet and they got the tall big tall blokes and I I don't know if you remember if if he keeps playing this way big Oscar you must go back to the pod last year or I actually spoke and talked him up and said he could be one to watch for as a mature age sort of a player because he's ginormous. He clunked a few and they when they have those those clearances in that third quarter and just looked really good. And the game's now built for these really ungainly tall dudes, especially it, yeah, yeah. the one on ones, yeah, yeah especially. absolutely. But it's not really because I suppose he was taking contested marks and that's something probably Ben Brown doesn't do. Take yeah. big pack marks. But yeah, they got Eric Hipwood hasn't really had you know, done much yet. And he's he's a gun like he can change games. So they're they've got the potential. They're to go definitely potential. And they've got, got players, you know, still in the in the Magoos that can come in and fill a role if there's injuries yeah. and stuff. So plenty of potential there. Not quite all in yet. Someone no. who will always be cautious of. Poor no. Adelaide. No. Are you buying tickets yet? No. Why not? Definitely not. But same, pretty much the same thing as Geelong. Except I don't think they're anywhere near as deep. And it was proven against Carlton. I mean, I know they won. They won pretty in the end. Won. Relatively convincingly, yeah. But geez, it, until Dicko Big Dixon comes back, I worry about them scoring. Like they're they're relying on young kids pulling their weight at the moment, which is you know a bit of a worry. And it's it's you know Rockcliffe and Boke and Gray carrying them still. You know when you look at their list of players and who's doing well for them, it's still the young kids. So and Ryan Burton really hasn't started as well as probably would have wants. Obviously the. Jack Watts is a big loss because he was playing some good footy. Yeah, they get Ollie Wines back. I'm a bit worried because the way they went about it, they still played on quick. They still did all that stuff that they did in round one. But I think Carlton were a bit more prepared for it than Carlton. Carlton actually defending all right at the moment, but they just can't score, which has been a problem for about three to four seasons. So, And when Charlie Curno goes down, it's a bit more of a worry. Western Bulldogs, they jagged a win. Beveridge played the emotion card and said, you have to get around these wins that don't happen very often. So he's all up and about down at the uh, down at the kennel. Are you seeing them taking themselves back to the 2016 vibes or flashing the pan for the doggies? I think they're going to be middle of the road team still. I just I don't, I don't trust them enough. Like they they dominated that second quarter, and you look at stats and they pretty much dominated the game. Really, they, hmm. they won clearances, they won centre clearances, they won stoppages. It's pretty much why Clarke didn't blow up at the umps because he inside fifties tackle. Yeah. The only thing they lost pretty much was tackling um, and hitouts because. They don't play ruck. They, well, they play a ruck, but he's not quite up to it yet. Anyway, they should they should have iced the game in the second quarter. They had like sixteen or seventeen inside fifties to like five, but they only went in, in the half time, buddy. You know, four or five points up. Third quarter got blown away, and I saw um, Gunson kick a goal. I was actually working, we were watching on our phone, and uh, not, so obviously we weren't working too hard. <laughs> and we thought the doggies were gone turned off the, 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 the video kept working and my phone blew up at about I reckon about the five six minute mark to go because the doggies just hit the front because Sicily blew up I couldn't believe my, I couldn't believe it they kicked nine goals to one has that ever happened that's never happened to Clarko surely 
No. You know, and, and, and he can't do anything. At, at that stage, it's not on the coach. Now that they have 6-6-6, six, 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 he cannot put, put two men behind yeah. the ball. And we saw that with North Melbourne. Yeah. They got scored heavily against quickly and momentum gets going and you can't stop it anymore with just chucking numbers behind the footy. That's the crazy thing about this 6-6-6. Six, six, six. It will help the doggies because, again, 2016, they were amazing at getting clearances without hitouts. So they get 200% of clearances per hitout. Yeah. They get double the amount of clearances as they do in hitouts. They've got a very good midfield brigade. Got, yeah, amazing midfield brigade. And so they don't need a ruck. Like, they, they can do that. And with the more space now, it does become what what some outlets are saying random. And it's more just down to your personnel. Yeah, if you're playing, it becomes legitimately four and four when it comes to when it comes to the mids. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's when they get the, the clearances to hitout ratios become really important, especially with the teams that have lesser rucks. And you're seeing that now where the rucks are actually getting negated a little bit. Yeah. Because it's the midfields that will take over and then just crumb the taps. So and their running style of game probably suits it a bit yeah. as well. So and they they do look good. They look fired up. They're probably. I mean, I know you were saying the other night. You think you're jumping back on their bandwagons. You think they're back to their sixteen doggies. I'm still not sold, but I wasn't sold in sixteen either. I I missed the bandwagon. See, I missed it. I'm de- I'm I'm very dirty about it. So uh, we'll I'm not saying they're going to win the flag. I'm saying they're going to probably be near it to finals. Oh. They're going to be going to be a decent shout of a. Uh, winning games more often than not than what they have been in the last couple of seasons. The last team that's 2-0 is a team I said wouldn't win a game all season. So yep. I am a goose. Yep. But is it too harsh to say that St Kilda haven't played anyone yet? Oh, have, like, have they played a proper side yet? Well, Gold Coast. They beat Gold Coast by a point. But they beat Fremantle who smashed North. Now what does that say? That, that That's North's rubbish and we'll get to them. Or maybe we won't because of the Kona Science rule. Uh, and then they played Essendon who like are... Uh, one big loss away well, so from like a from a cluster fire. Well, they're still in the kind of silence. St Kilda come out, mm-hmm. so St Kilda out of kind of silence. Yep. Welcome back, St fans. Sorry for putting you in there, but you've 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 they've they've fought their way out. They have. So it was an ugly fight. Essendon are in there, North are in there. We'll talk about them later. Melbourne are almost in there. Um, but for me, St Kilda, the blokes have stood up. At, like Billings and Nunes. Gresham was awesome again on the weekend. His first two rounds. He cops a lot of flack in the media for not being the player he should be given his pick. But the last two weeks, he's been amazing, uh, kicking goals and just being really good around the midfield. Uh, Jack Steele, actually, I didn't really rate him much last year, but his hardness and he's a bigger body. Uh, Jack Stephen, for an unfit player who had mental issues, has definitely come back. And, geez, Essendon let Shane Savage have a field day down mm. back, didn't they? Like, their loose ball gets and everything he was able to get in that defensive 50 was almost too easy. And yeah, they, they, look, they look really good. They're still um, they're still butchering the footy a bit. Absolutely. They lead the competition at the moment in uh, clangers with 141, and they're one of the uh, least possessive teams in the competition. Yeah. So high percentage of turnovers, high percentage of clangers, and like really low percentage of marks. So they, they can't control the footy. It, it is, they just kind of like muff it up the field. And then hope it stays there. When the JLT, they were a bit more methodical. Mm. Uh, and round one against Gold Coast, it was to and froing. On the weekend, it was definitely to and froing a bit. But one thing you can't fault the Saints on at the moment is their effort and intensity. And absolutely, you know they laid seventy tackles on the weekend, and they're having a crack. And they're obviously you know got some belief there, and some players who have copped it the last two or three years are stepping up. So hopefully they can continue on with that. Are they going to play finals? No. So that will be one of the five 
teams in the last 32 years to miss out after being 2-0 or whatever the David King stat is he gets thrown around on SEN but yeah, yeah we'll just remember Freo a Gold Coast sorry with 3 and zip last year people North Melbourne Went ten and zero and missed the finals one year, so yeah, that was a it does yeah. depend on uh, who you play early on. And if we're going to be absolutely honest, they haven't played much chop. All right, let's get negative. Let's be misery merchants. Your favorite thing to do, Baz. You <laughs> revel in this stuff. Zero oh. and two teams who are stuff. We'll start with Sydney. Oh, they're so cool. Longmire has come out in the media and said what he what you wanted him to say, but he, instead of saying we need to play more kids, he's put it on the kids to do more. So now he's just blaming the youngsters. That's not the way I go about it. They were a bit like Melbourne, though. In the game, they did... I mean, I had the second quarter hurt them a bit, but they they just can't score. Hmm. They go, it goes They've inside got one 50, goal kicker. It goes inside 50 and comes back out again with pretty much no, no pressure. I'd, I'd love to see the retention rates and stuff like that for Sydney. I, I know it's pretty hard to get those sort of stats unless you pay for champion data, but... Well, score, they're, they're at 41%. Uh, efficiency going inside 50 for scores inside 50. Yeah. Above average, but there are some pretty poor teams in those stats. Um, so it's it's not... It's just the number of inside 50s they get is probably more the concern as well going forward. Like, they are... Yeah, 102 is below average for a team that's meant to have a pretty decent midfield. So, yeah. Well, I don't rate their midfield anymore mm. either. So when they're... When, when commentators are calling for McCartan to come back in because he's the one that's going to straighten them up, a bloke in his second year... It just, just it was trouble for me, I think. And Sam Reid, I know he hasn't played a lot of footy lately, but uh, he was seen a bit off pace. Still got a bit to work with. Do you press the big bed rebuild button, or do you say we can still make finals? We've done this before. Of, of the three teams we've done in the last five years, we were two of them. This just, is just how we do it. We just start slow and we finish strong. Uh, I'm almost almost pushing the eject button. I can't trust them anymore. Let's yep. put it that way. And they're playing Carlton this week. And I'm probably going to tip Sydney, but there's a part of me that just... Because I know Sydney can't score, and I know Carlton can't score. It's me. So it becomes a, just a random generated result, really. Yeah. Okay, speaking of Carlton, are admirable losses enough? No. So what do they need? Well, other than win, which is the obvious actually, thing. They actually showed... I reckon they showed more on the weekend against Port than they did against Richmond. Yep. But they still scored 70 points. I'll give you a tip right now. Just back every week... Carlton and Gold Coast, 61 to 72, running the year in front by plenty. Because I can't see him, especially with Charlie Kernow out. Unless they reshape their full line, McGovern hasn't done much yet. Harry McKay is doing a few good things. Fasolo is still clearly underdone. Uh, and they've got just young kids everywhere. And there's not really anyone that comes in that's going to make him better. Like, yeah, Matty Kennedy's a good player, mm-hmm. uh, but he's not going to come in and be a difference, another three or four goals to that team. They're, they're just. Cruiser might come in and be make them a bit better as well around the ruck, but I just well, the ruck's not their issue. They're they're smashing cl- uh, in terms of centre clearances. So currently getting uh, they've got twenty seven for the season, which ranks them fourth in the competition. They're ranked about fourth for clearances per hit out. So the centre clearances, obviously, when you've got Crips in your side, you're yeah. going to get those. The issue to them is their disposal efficiency, both by hand and foot combined, is sixty seven. Equal worse was Essendon. Yeah, sixty seven. In terms of everything else, like inside, they can't. They don't have a marking option inside fifty. They're ranked about third last in that. Yeah, they got Mitch McGovern. Oh, no, um, yeah, they well, I can't find him then. They can't. They, 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 their entry kick is not good enough to find a, a person to market. So yeah. they have easy shots at goal. Not obviously not lying their eyes, or there's still um, structures falling down there, and they just need to keep working. I mean, it will click one day, and they might score over a hundred points eventually. But I think they've almost done the record now. Surely, if games without scoring a hundred, it's probably nearly close to 150 probably at this rate 
But they were better against Portland than against Richmond, in my opinion. Hmm. I think they showed a lot more ticker and a lot more fight and they were in the game for a lot longer. But yeah, they, they just keep struggling to score. <laughs> yeah, they just can't keep not scoring. So. Yeah, and until they can kick 100 points fairly regularly, they're, they, not, they're not going to challenge too many They continually have quarters where they don't kick a goal hmm. or they might kick one goal. Like that, that, if you have it two kills your momentum. You, you have can't two, get back you have two that, of yeah. those quarters a week you know, and you're only scoring 10 goals. You're not going to win many games. Melbourne... This is a quote from Simon Goodwin. To be 0-2 is disappointing for us as a club. We want to be better. We don't want to be losing by 80 points. It's unacceptable for where we want to go and what we want to achieve. We're going to keep looking at ways to get better. We can either get sad or we can get grumpy and get better. We're hurting as players and as a club to lose by 80 points. Not the way you want to be, but there are some things that are starting to head in the right direction. Baz, what's heading in the right direction for Melbourne? Um, Learning how to score or or having a better functioning forward line. So they got smashed in the first quarter. Smashed in the test position, smashed everywhere in the first quarter. Yeah. After the first quarter, they evened out the game. They had one inside 50s. They won inside 50s by 24. They were plus 24. Do you know what their efficiency rate is? What what do you reckon is their percentage of scores per inside 50? It would have to be below 35, 40%. 27%. Yeah. So I've seen some... The next lowest is 39. Yeah. And I I saw some footage of them against Geelong and stuff uh, this morning. And you can see why teams need to hit up. So defenders tend to sag off now, wanting mm. you to kick long because they, it's easier for them to spoil, intercept, create a contest, whatever. You need to lower your eyes going inside fifty. And there's a lot of inside fifties on the weekend against in, against Geelong, where they just blazed away. They missed the hit up or didn't take the easy kick 25, 30 meter on the angle to open it up the forward line so they can go in the flat side with the space. Mm. Yeah, there's generally the footage I saw. There's literally blokes standing there with no one around them, sixty out, where they could just have space to either run in and have a ping, or run in and hit someone up. And they show the down ground footage, and there's you know, blokes like Tom McDonald on a lead with a 15 meter gap, 35 out, and he's been missed, and they've blazed over his head, and it gets marked uncontested in the goal square. Well, they're the th- the three things that they rank last in currently in the AFL after two rounds. We just mentioned the inside 50 efficiency. The other two are disposals per mark. So they, they are almost going at six disposals for every mark taken, and they rank last in the competition by a fair way at 51% of their disposals are uncontested. So they're half-half contested, uncontested, which means you have no control over the game. They rank, yeah, they obviously rank last in, in marks, well, obviously and they can't, they can't control the game. It's just surge ball the forward, wait for the rebound, and then force the turnover and surge again. Well, that's, that's a bit skewed because the game on the weekend was wet footy and the, the numbers were pretty high for contested. Yeah, but then the week before as well. And they're, they're last by a long way. And, and Geelong have done really well in doing the opposite. They, they dominated uncontested possession, much like Collingwood did to Richmond. Like they've, they've shown that, that, that control. The other thing I saw a lot of was uh, kicking in, when they got kicked into their defensive 50, it was, there's was four blokes marking, going for the marks, defenders, mm. and there's one or two Geelong players that fall to the ground and someone kick a goal. Again, I'd like to see the stats and how many goals were kicked. Um, from not marked inside 50 but like you know ground balls inside 50 yeah yeah Melbourne just look out of sorts and it's an interesting game on, on Friday night when Essendon and Melbourne play because neither team want to be on three I tell you absolutely not and considering yeah considering Sydney play Carlton mm. so one of those teams that will win will probably be Sydney it'll be Carlton probably North Melbourne and Essendon or Melbourne the three teams that a win I'm pretty sure mm. 
Geez, it's uh, grim if you're down there, 0 3. Absolutely. For the, especially the calibre of teams that are meant to be pushing towards the eight or, in Melbourne's case, winning a final. And uh, to finish out this segment, reviewing round two, North Melbourne and Essendon, this song is for you. things in our 50-50 picks and uh, Baz we're going to bring you down to earth after your barnstorming victory against the Tigers and you got up and about the lid was off for a good 30 to 40 minutes there's nothing better than beating Richmond you had nothing the lid better. off nothing. and then you put it back on and came back down to earth but nothing you definitely reveled nothing better however I've earmarked this game as an upset alert for obvious reasons the grand final uh, rematch Saturday night, Collingwood are a dollar forty-six favourites. The lid is off, Baz. I think people are saying that you are now the premiership favourites. You may as well just give you the cup. The VFL bias is in place, and West Coast, the reigning premiers, after thumping GDOS after unveiling the flag, are two dollars sixty outsiders. They're playing at the MCG, and the line here fifteen and a half. The over/under a very low one sixty-six. The media has definitely blown this win against Richmond out of proportion. Way out of proportion. We, yes, we played well. Yes, we, our game style worked, but Jesus. Uh, friend, of, friend of the pod and uh, your enemy in Nuffydom, Saul, said, has Collingwood actually made a mistake by preparing themselves to beat the champion, Richmond, but that's probably a team that may not make the grand final now? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm tipping West Coast Saturday night. I don't think... I, I still worry about our forward line because I think yeah, Coxie's obviously got off and he's going to play... But you saw against Geelong week one where Degoe didn't really play that well, mm. got taken out. We, we struggled to score a bit. And that's because Geelong play that possession game, but that is West Coast's game. Yeah, it's West Coast. They are kick mark experts. Yeah. And how do you how do you stop that? Exactly. And unless Degoe has a game out of... I mean, obviously we played really well in the grand final, but we still fell short. Mm. Um, and, you know, we played really well in the um, preliminary final, not preliminary final, semi-final as well. Last year over there, we only fell just short, and they smashed us at the MCG midway through the year last year as well when Nick Knack went down. Mm-hmm. But my worry is, yeah, I think Jeremy McGovern could just have a field... Unless it's a wet day, Jeremy McGovern could have a field day down forward because unless we really lower our eyes and it's going to become a real keepings-off sort of game for both teams, their forward line's probably... You give you give Kennedy and, and Darling probably, you know, four goals, five goals, just just let them have that because that's probably what they kick minimum. Because Darcy Moore and Ruffhead then have, have their hands full. Absolutely. But at least we've got two key posts down there that can play on them. Unlike in the grand final, probably played one. You know, gold sack was probably the, the main tour. Uh, but yeah, I was worried about our, our goal kicking, whether we can kick enough points and then and, and beat West Coast. Because West Coast are a high-scoring team. Uh, I know they weren't against Brisbane round one, but they'll, they're obviously still a bit short of a run. And they showed their power and dominance on the weekend at Domain. And I'm, I think West Coast should win this and... Two dollars sixty is a bit outrageous, and the line fifteen and a half is pretty outrageous as well. So, uh, is there any chance that you can break break down? There's there's a very interesting stat here. Since two thousand eighteen, West Coast are sixteen and zero when they've taken more than ninety one marks in a single match. Yeah. They currently lead the competition in in marks. They go at every three kicks is followed by a mark, and they kick at 
2.1 kick to handball ratio, which is like almost 50% more than any other team in the comp. So they're just very methodical and they can still go with speed. They have that, that change of gear from defense to attack really quick. Yeah. But if it's not there, they're more than happy to chip it around and maintain and control. Do you have any of that frontal pressure that's very, very Richmond of 2017 I think we do. to go with it yeah, and I to think, break it down? I think we do. And I think Adams will quite, might come back in this week, whether he comes back in or not. I'm not, not sure. I know Will Hoskin Elliott's out for another five to six, but he wasn't playing anyway. Our midfield is, is better than theirs, depth-wise, mm-hmm. across the board. Our ruck is better than Hickey. Grunny is better than Hickey. I don't care what anyone says. And they, 99% of people agree with me. That's our only strength going forward. And you know, possibly our four line being smalls could be a, a strength as well. You know, Elliot went missing a bit last week, but got in the game late. Stephenson's been a bit quieter, but he's playing a higher role. He's playing that Will Hoskin Elliott role. Uh, does Cox dominate for a game? But yeah, my big worry is obviously McGovern down back. He's a gun player and reads the ball so well, so we just can't kick in, kick long into him. You know, Mychek's had him the last two times I played, and the other three times I played him. Probably hasn't done the role that he needs to do. Um, so I, my fear is I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, but they probably kick, they're able to kick more than us. Unless it's wet, it might bring us back into it. But I still think West Coast are by far the best team in the comp. Yep. Um, Depth-wise, and just they're unstoppable over there in the West. And we're probably I don't know, a few goals still behind them at the moment, developing a few players. So Yep. The last stat I'll give you there is that Eagles have won their last three games against Collingwood and two of them at the MCG after giving up considerable starts. So with West Coast paying $2.60 currently, get on that as soon as you can before they shorten up before Saturday. Uh, and, yeah, bank on that West Coast tip. Don't let them have 91 or more uh, marks. marks. Yeah. Have that on the tracker. We'll be tweeting that. As soon as it goes over the tweet, it'll be like the handy point alert. It'll be the, the 91 marks alert. But you know that your bet's about to come in. Saturday night, same time, different place. Brisbane are hosting Port Adelaide. Brisbane, Brisbane are a dollar sixty favourites against Port Adelaide, who are two dollar thirty outsiders. It is at the Gabba. Does this now mean that the Gabba is the Gabbatoir? The margin here, eight and a half, and the over under one seventy two. This is the first time since two thousand and ten that Brisbane. I'm surprised, the opening two rounds. I'm surprised you got this in upset. I would have this as probably one of the certainties. You don't reckon? You so you don't rate Port at all? I reckon Brisbane at Gabba is a game you don't want to. It's almost as daunting as going to play West Coast at Optus. Based now off two games. Well, off no, one even game. last year. Last year they played. Some yeah, but they didn't win them though. No, but it was, they got close, and they're a better team this year. Clearly, mm. and but I, you say that Port's a better team this year as well. I still not sold on Port. Hmm. And I'm, I'm. But we got based on based on. What we have at hand, based on midfield versus midfield, they got so Brisbane will run Port off their feet. Yeah, it's gonna be. Is it, is it Saturday night? So it'll be Dewey. They they will run Port off their feet. They'll, their midfield is way more dominant than Port's. A lot quicker. Their four lines are damaging. And who are they going to kick Port's goals? Well, I don't think so. My my different Brisbane are a high scoring team. Mm-hmm. They will score hundred points no matter what. So can Port do that as well? Well, they've done it in the last two rounds. It's a very small sample size. They're going at sixty-five percent retention inside fifty. But even last so year, though, going forward, they're very clean. And as you said, Brisbane are going to give up. They're going to give up a lead at quarter time. Uh, does Port have to score at least eighty to ninety points, and, mm-hmm. and they have to defend well and keep Brisbane under that? And I just don't, can't see that happening. Even if even if Brisbane gives up another massive lead, if they give up four goals, I don't think. I don't seriously. I reckon at the moment the way Brisbane are going. 
that and it, we said this last year with with um when Brisbane got quarter time leads, it was they got quarter time leads yes, but they they also still scored yeah, and they'd always score. Like, I, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but they always scored very well last year. They averaged above average in scoring mm-hmm. yeah, and so far this year they've scored twice over hundred points. They beat West Coast by fifty plus points round one at at, at the Gabba. Mm-hmm. A jet lagged grand final I, celebrating I don't West Coast. Care. That's, yeah, still That's impressive. Good. Still if, impressive for a team that was bottom four. If this was horse racing, I'd be all in on. It'd be like backing Black Caviar almost on the on form lines. That's that's a very confident statement. Um, Brisbane, or I, I, seriously, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm probably undone here now. I'm saying this, but Lockie Neal and, and those boys, Steph Martin, the four line with Charlie Cameron and uh, McCarthy and those sorts of blokes and. The form they're in, and there's still a few blokes to come back. Like uh, Louis Taylor can't get a game. You know, Cam Rayner hasn't even done anything yet. But there's a few blokes that can really, and obviously, Port lose Watts, as we spoke about earlier, and they might not get Wines or Hamish Hartlett back yet. They probably end up playing in the resis. Yeah, yeah. I just reckon speed kills, and uh, Brisbane have that. And, and they do have the Santa Clarita's dominance. So if they do get on a roll, as we saw against North last, and we saw last against week, West Coast, and we saw soon against as, West Coast. As, as they get on a roll. They're hard to stop, and mm. you can't just put Westock behind the footy anymore. Mm. So, and I, I, I seriously struggle. Like even when they won round one, what was what did Port score in round one against Melbourne? What eighty points? So Carlton they only scored eighty eight, and they got eighty seven. So they're good for eighty to ninety points. And we know Brisbane are roughly the same. So it's gonna be a lot tighter. Like even if Port defend well and play really well, and, and it's yeah, I just don't see them scoring enough to beat Brisbane. So that, that's an interesting angle there. Would you back in Port to win the first quarter then from a punting perspective? Oh, yeah. It's probably given given the record of Brisbane over the last, all of last year, mm-hmm. plus this year, I think they've only let it quarter time like twice or maybe three times. So what's that, 25, 26 games? Because mm-hmm. Port's paying $2.05 to lead a quarter time. Yeah, so that's probably, you take that and then if you can get a same game multi, take Brisbane to win. And I'd be going over as the 172 because unless Port turned into an absolute Dower. rugby mall, like I said, Brisbane are almost guaranteed the score. 100 points. 100 points. There you go. Definitely some value there and some interesting ones. If you're trailing in tips, you can go either way. Just look at it. Speed kills. Brisbane have plenty of it. Midfield dominance. I like it. I like the convincing and I also like the fact that I can still get value and still tip Brisbane. So I'm all about that. Well done to you, sir. Sure things now. Friday night. Is this loser-palooza? Is this a loser-leaves-town match? Remember the old WWE days, The Undertaker? Yep. De- dead one leaves the ring, never comes back. Melbourne are hosting Essendon. Melbourne, who have not won a game, Brian, are a dollar thirty-six favourites against Essendon, who are paying $2.96, almost $3. The margin, predicted margin here is almost three goals, and the over-under, one seventy. One. Can I skip this game? You can't. You can't skip it because it's too important. The the connotations here are very important. So I'm, not, I'm not tipping. I've actually left a blank in my tipping. So you're gonna, you're gonna that means you're tipping Essendon. The away team. No, I'm tipping it. Is it a draw? Or can I tip no one? Can I tip a draw? Can you tip? Can you tip the the existence of like the existence of the game? Because this game is 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 just. Oh. Who wins then? I'll do the analysis for you. I, in all honestly, from what I've seen at the Essendon last two weeks, it's impossible to tip Essendon. Yeah. Their effort is disgusting. Their uh, entry inside 50 is yuck. Like, again, I've seen some footage of just absolutely butchering the ball, 
it, it gets kicked inside their four fifty. It comes out just as quick. Uh, the only way I can see Essendon winning is they get back to that style where they just gun and go, just gun, just run it, take it on because Melbourne are slow. Yeah, is the only problem with that. I think there's some forecast rain on Friday, so that won't help the style of footy that they might want to play. But to tell you what, both teams have been under under the pump this this week and after and round one as well. It's gonna be probably be a decent game to watch because it'll be pretty desperate stakes I think for both teams. I reckon it's going to be pretty ugly though. Both these teams are ranking in the the bottom quarter of uh, teams in the competition so far for disposal efficiency. Both teams aren't great, aren't very efficient going forward. No, Neither team can control. Yeah. So it's going to be it's, it'll be hectic, I reckon. Yeah. But then if if Melbourne makes this an ugly contested game, then surely Melbourne win. Well, it's, it, it didn't work for them against Geelong. But Eston aren't Geelong. No, they're not. I just. I can't see it. Like, if Melbourne gets, if Melbourne wins the inside fifty count by twenty again, you'd hope they'd score more. Well, they have to win. Surely they can't do that two weeks. The only thing I take out of Melbourne's performance on the weekend is that they clearly have the building blocks. All they need to do is kick goals. It's one thing to fix. Whereas Essendon have nothing. Seriously, I looked at this game and I just didn't want to tip one because either way, like I've tipped Melbourne the last two weeks have burnt me. They were pathetic in the first quarter against Geelong. They got back into the game, but. As you know, we've talked about before, they could not score to save themselves. Essendon were dreadful for two quarters against St Kilda. Came good for a quarter, but again, just couldn't score. Had that all that momentum. They had again a bit like they had like ten to fifteen inside fifty. I think Shane Savage rebounded about eight or nine of them. Yeah, pretty much uncontested. It was yuck. And then it went down the other end, and after about ten minutes of Essendon's dominance, and St Kilda got back on top. So. I reckon for this one, I'll be looking at unders just because both teams can't score. Yeah, and 171 is a relatively high so, over under mark for a, a night game. For a night MCG. But as for a tip perspective, I'll be tipping Melbourne and just leaving this game the hell alone. Absolutely. I've got Melbourne as well. And uh, just the unders. I'll tell you what, though, if, if they lose this week and I've tipped them again and I'll tip them again, I'm never talking about them this year. I don't care what you say, I'm just not going to respond. Okay. Because I'm. They're on their last legs. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I, you know how much I love to hate Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I love to hate St Kilda. I love to hate Richmond. But Melbourne are giving me a bloody good ex- reason to not talk about them at the moment. Our next sure thing, which may not be a sure thing after our previous conversations on the pod, is Carlton two dollars sixty home dogs hosting Sydney a dollar forty six favourites at Marvel Stadium. The line here is just a very small twelve points. The over under a Expectedly low, 166. It was another week, another case of an admirable loss for the Blue Baggers. Um, and there was lots of people on social media getting very excited about them pinching it against Port. Uh, meanwhile, Sydney tried to rely on Buddy to kick all the goals for them, and he kicked a fair few, and a fair few absolutely stunning ones. But obviously, one man cannot do it all for the club, and uh, they fell short against the Crows. Can Carlton really win this game? Well, going back, I can't believe Carlton have only won once in, against Sydney in like seven or eight years. Because Sydney are a pretty good side. Yeah, I know, I know Carlton stunk it up, but yeah. Because that's why I say that this is a sure thing, because Sydney don't lose to Carlton. They shouldn't lose to Carlton at and Marvel. But, the, but from what we've seen in the first two weeks, anything's possible. Anything's possible. For me, I, it's 166 match points would be touch and go anything under 170 I think you can get so again we're not alarmed with any bookmakers but bet easy I know will give you pick your own unders overs 
170 would probably get you about a dollar 75, dollar 76. I've already looked at it. Maybe a dollar 80. I'll be looking at that because they won't pass 170 because both teams will score between 60 and 75 points. I'll be looking around that for this game. The score in brackets probably 61 to 72 or 73 to 85 or whatever it is, 86. Yep. Um, the Blues were good last week, but again, they continue to score, uh, have troubles with scoring. Their midfielders, you know, Paddy Cripps and you know, Welsh has been good. Murphy's been good. All, all their players you expect to be playing well for Carton are playing well. This is whether a few of their uh, second, third year youngsters mm. can step up for one game and have a dominant game. Sydney might get back. Uh, Kieran Jack, uh, they might play Tom McCarlton. Jackson Thurlow's been thrown up a bit as well. Obviously, we spoke about how poor Ben Ronk was on the weekend, a few other of their players. But surely, just uh, when you look at Sydney's team, they've got more senior players and more they're more trustworthy. So if you're going to tip a team, you'd be tipping Sydney just for the fact that you know what you you know what you're going to get. Get yeah. Uh, as for Carlton, you can't really trust them yet and they're probably another year or two away from being trustworthy. Yeah, they're going to jump up and win some games. This is probably one that they should be trying to win because, again, both teams are pretty low-scoring teams and it's probably something they could probably snag. You should be pretty confident with Sydney. You'd hope so. You'd really, really hope so. Otherwise, that as much as Sydney can love to go 0-3 and, and still make finals, but I, that's a, I just have a feeling, I have a, a, a gut feel, as I did with the Doggies round one, that Carlton could... Cause an upset. There you go. So I'm going to tip Sydney just on the fact that we can trust them. Um, you know, but, and especially with Carlton without no Cherno, it's a mm. big loss for them, even though he hasn't played that well the first well, round one and he didn't play much last week. Just have a worry that, uh, yeah, Gibbons is due, I reckon. Fair enough. I'm going to back Gibbons most goals. There you go. He gets in the right, spicy gets, angle. gets in the right spots as well, Gibbons. Just uh, likes that bit of polish, which, Hopefully now he's played a couple of games, you might start finding. Another little left field question for you here is, uh, obviously Buddy and Liam Jones go way back. Yeah. Would you throw Wheatering against Buddy, given his very good form of the first two weeks of the season? Or is that too much, too soon for a youngster? I think you can chuck Wheatering on Buddy, because Buddy's probably running about 60%, 70%. Yeah. So as we know, he's, he's, Buddy's training is game day. Yeah. He's doing a little bit of touch with the group, 20, 30 minutes. He does his own little stuff privately, but his body's not re- not really that good at the moment. His groins and everything are playing up. He's had surgery on him during the off-season. So, yeah, I reckon if you're ever going to play wedding on on Buddy, now's the time. But it depends if you want. Wedding obviously gets involved a little bit through a link play. Well, he did last week, he played all right. So if that hurts Buddy going the other way, it's probably worth trying because you know Jones really won't get involved. But Jones is probably a better intercept mark, so you want him playing on someone where he can peel off and intercept mark and have Weedering on, on Buddy. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So I'd probably have Liam Jones on Reed or maybe McCartan because you don't have to pay them as much respect. He can peel off and be that intercept marking option. Let, let Weedering play one on one with Buddy, and when they haven't got the footy, make Buddy run on the ground. Yeah, sounds like a plan. You, oh, it's getting very hard not to tip Carlton now. It's getting very, very nah, hard. Tip Sydney. Stay with Sydney. Tip Sydney, but if you had an extra 10 bucks in your pocket, just uh, maybe throw a tenner on, on Carlton at $3.80 or 4 bucks, or whatever they are. No, $2.60, mate. $2.60. That's, They're very short. Otherwise, I would have gone. Yeah. But there's sure. no value there. Obviously, the bookmakers are worried then. Next sure thing, Sunday afternoon. The Western Bulldogs are a dollar sixteen favourites. You throw away in terms like winks, like odds. Well, there you go, dollar sixteen against Gold Coast of all people. 
who are $3.60 outsiders at Marvel Stadium. The line here is 32 points. The over-under, a very low 168. That'll get blown out of the water. Which doesn't, yeah, doesn't seem to quite make too much sense. Especially the way Gold Coast have been playing. Hmm. Both teams have been playing quite aggressive. Yes, the Dogs do struggle to score massive scores, but 168 is a couple of 85s each, so not and that hard to do. I know Gold Coast have been struggling to score, but they did score 80-odd in the third round one against St. Kilda, and they wasted some opportunities, and that game was a bit of a shootout. Uh, it was obviously a bit more dour against Fremantle, but they did kick 18 points. Hmm. They still had plenty of opportunities to kick goals, and uh, I'd back them to... You'd hope they wouldn't kick that many points again. I know we had a collect on them, uh, 61 to 75. Well, they, they kicked up, what, seven goals, 19. So you'd back them to... Go 50-50 at the very yeah. least. And they had 67 inside 50s, which is very good for them. I, I can't remember they had week one, but they, I think they ran the 50 mark as well. They're actually playing a bit more um, systematic as well. They're not going they're a bit more direct last year. I feel this year they're, they're definitely using the ball a bit yep. better and a bit smarter and have different ways. And Jared Harbrow... I know he, uh, he can cop some stick and do some weird shit, but he was very, very good on the weekend. And Alex Sexton has been spoken about a lot, uh, how we'd probably underrate him a bit. And uh, David Swallow, that was a great captain's game from him on the weekend. And uh, Missed the fourth quarter two weeks in a row. Yeah, he's done well. And just some of the young blokes like, you know, Farini we know about and Bose and stuff like that and just took Miller. Probably blokes that don't get a lot of recognition. But yeah, they're starting to play well. And, you know, Sam Collins... VFL player had a chance with Freo delisted and then takes that big mark in the last you know 30 seconds to of the game I reckon uh, old Roscoe and that is one of the moments of the round because you see the cameraman cut to Roscoe and Roscoe literally just says like oh for F's sake Colo <laughs> of all the people so you're saying almost like you're talking yourself into a Gold Coast tip here no 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 definitely not definitely not no doggies are is there is there a chance that this is the week where the centre bounce dominance goes the opposition's way. So obviously, the dogs, as I mentioned before, yeah, which is very which 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 is well, they they currently lead in terms of hit out percentage. They're equal first Gold Coast yeah. for hit out percentage. So yeah, which is absolutely dominant. Which is a very very good tight rockman, and you're starting to get a bit more of a round of ground. Like I was shattered when Colin let him go because I, I think he's a very very good rockman, a very very good player. Mm-hmm. You know, that shows now he's captain of Gold Coast. He's obviously a very good leader someone like uh, Stewie Jew to put him in charge so I don't know his joint captain was follow but yeah he's a good player and there's you know Lockie Wells starting to come good on his story probably don't know if he's still worth pick two but uh, yeah they've got some good players some good young players but I think the doggies you know they're Lockie Hunter uh, McRae Wallace Bont and Libber uh, now as well I think Libber's yeah, almost Libber. like a barometer for them because he does he's He's not your like your pin-up boy for that club, but he's one of those blokes that's in the top five, six. Yeah. And when he has a real good game, you know that everyone else is going to be on this. Yeah, well, Shucky so. was really good on the weekend. Um, you know, Norton was a bit quieter, but yeah, there's all these blokes that just pop up. Tico has showed some good form mm. as well. And just, I think the doggies are, are way too good for Gold Coast. They'd probably win by five or six goals, but my, my bet for that, especially at Marvel, would be over the 168. Because I think... Uh, Going from what Gold Coast have played the last two weeks, how they've played, mm-hmm. and what the Doggies have showed the first two weeks as well, I think they are it'll be a high-scoring game. Absolutely, especially when the Doggies are getting so many inside 50s. So they're averaging 67 inside 50s for the season so far in their first two games. They improved from... In round one, they only averaged 16% efficiency, scores per inside 50. They improved that last week to 39. Not great still, but yeah. when you're getting 60s 
almost 70 inside 50s a game, you're going to score a decent amount of points. So the over's the play there and doggy's the tip. Another sure thing, Sunday afternoon, Hawthorne are a dollar 43 favourites against the team that shall now be recalled as the North Hobart Kangaroos. They're playing $2.70, so people haven't thrown them into the cone of silence as much as we have. They're playing at the MCG. Two goals is the margin, 177 outside against the shutdown Hawks at the MCG is the over-unders. Is this just a simple case of beware the post-Clarko spray bounce-back Hawks? Yeah, but it worries me they've lost Shields and Burgoyne. They might, let's talk Wingard, uh, might be in or might be a chance of playing. Like we saw, I know they were two down the bench, and they obviously had Scully playing. It wasn't one hundred percent, but it worries me that they're starting to get a few injuries because they don't really have they don't really have the the depth. They don't have a lot of players. And Berg, like if Bergon was on in that uh, mm-hmm. last quarter, yeah. they wouldn't have got smashed around the clearances like that. So like you know, they look obviously Shield and Bergon going down. Uh, so there's no wing guard yet, but. So, you know, Tyre Mills, Dylan Moore, Dan Howe, uh, Harrison Jones, Mitchell Lewis, and David Muro. They're sorts of blokes at the moment they're throwing around. It could be in yeah. for this for this week. And none of them scream match winners or, you know, are they going to be the difference? And they're, they're no Bergon or, Sh- or Liam Shields. No, not at all. They're already missing a few players, like, you know, your Mitchells and stuff like that. So who's going to stand up for them? And they need someone to stand up, so they're currently second last on centre clearances, which is a massive step this year, obviously, because of new rules. And, and Big Boy McAvoy's been playing really well. So. so Big Boy McAvoy's been playing really well, but their clearance-to-hit-out ratio is the lowest in the league by 20%. Yeah. So they lose... Their midfield isn't... They lose more... They almost lose half the half of their hit-outs. Yeah. Which is... Which is, which is they're already behind the ball because they're missing their best midfielder. You got your Ruckman working as hard as he can to try and get in the game, and then there's nothing. You're getting poached, essentially. Well, Jed Anderson is probably back and maybe right for North Melbourne. Um, does Demont come back in? He was a late withdrawal on the weekend as well, and I think Garner played in the VFL. So there's a few blokes here that come in and can make him obviously better. Uh, but you know, the first two rounds, North Melbourne have been. I mean, they were good for a half against Brisbane, but then they got blown out of the mm. water. Uh, they got smashed at centre clearance as we've talked about that already I know Clarko again, again there's probably three games in a row where I've said it's just the way it is early in the season a lot of teams don't expect to win win games because teams aren't 100% yet they don't have any injuries or niggles other teams do they're easing themselves into the season I just worry about Hawthorne's depth here and uh, yeah whether North Melbourne have that you know they've copped it under the last two weeks and I'll tell you what, a lot of pressure will come on uh, North if they go 0-3 this week, especially after topping up a bit with the players they got in during the off-season with Hall and uh, Pittard and stuff like that. So so here's... I found three stats, basically, that will suggest that Hawthorne win this game. The first is where they score their points from. So they won 35 forward half intercepts in round one. They scored 84 points directly from those intercepts. Yep. Last week... 99% of their scoring against the Bulldogs was intercept scoring, yep. turnover scoring. Now, why is it important? North Melbourne have the lowest kick-to-handball ratio in the competition at the moment. They're going basically one-to-one. Yep. So they don't mark the ball, they don't control the ball. It's all handball, it's all run. Hawthorne currently have the highest pressure ratings and the highest tackle ratings. So they will turn North Melbourne over and they will score against them. Yep. And on that alone, you can back in Hawthorne to win. 
And I have them covering the 13 and a half. I don't see them playing as poorly. And, like, realistically, they should have won last week's game by... They should have, yeah. Four goals. Yeah. So, and, and Doggies are a much better side than North at the moment, so... Just, just, the only other thing that I can see North Melbourne is they... Uh, Hawthorne and Bother got Frawley. They still lack a big key tall. Mm-hmm. So, Frawley's probably their biggest key defender. And Ben Brown has been quiet the first two weeks. So, he could be due to kick some goals. Yeah, maybe. But whether it's enough to, from the win, just I was just more on a betting perspective. Maybe yeah, most goals Ben Brown is a little fun little fact. So Ben Brown since 2018 kicked 18 goals directly from free kicks. Yeah, number one in the competition. That's how he has a little bit of like reliance on. He doesn't win many contests. He gets, yeah, he gets pushed out of them or chopped yeah. out of them. Yeah. So I think people have kind of found out how to play Ben Brown would yeah. be my take on he's that he's good on the lead but he's not a very good contested mark no our last sure thing for the round in my opinion Sunday evening the 520 game where football goes to die Fremantle Roscoe's boys are $1.37 home favourites against their old mob St Kilda who are about three bucks outsiders of the stadium the line here a poultry 14 and a half the over under and even lower 165 and a half which Fremantle will turn up. The high-scoring excitement machines that suggested they had turned a new leaf in round one or the dour, boring Freo that played in round two? Uh, they'll be off to stay and they'll win. They'll be a bit more exciting. Uh, Ross won't be happy. He'll be pissed off during the week and spray him a few. It's just it's interesting to see where Jesse Hogan plays. They play a bit in the midfield, a bit across half-back. Can someone please tell coaches to play Jesse Hogan forward? But what, what, McCarthy's playing out of skin... Uh, Tabin is playing well. Can you have all three of them down there? They already have problems with retaining the ball inside like 50 once it goes in there. So yeah. three big blokes. But if he's good enough don't... and fast enough to play in the mids, and surely he's good enough and fast enough to apply apply frontal pressure as a, one of the three forwards. Yeah, I think it's just laziness. But anyway, I, quick, just, I think this game's a given. Fremantle win. Yep. St Kilda have been good, don't get me wrong. Uh, they probably expect more kudos than what they're about to get. But uh, yeah, they're... It's a different, different game over there, and while they've been playing some good, quick footy and, and taking the game on, and they've uh, been messy though. They yeah. have been messy, and, and I think Dockers will will pounce on that. And five, the five factor, and you know the home factor for Freo get them over the line. Monday's been awesome as well. Monday was probably their best player on, on Sunday. So yeah, I just think that uh, yeah, Fremantle should win. They they play that stadium very well. Yep, I got a quick little coach's point for you there on that one. You mentioned five. Yep, people say he's lazy. Do you agree? Well, when you're winning that much footy and you do that well, and you're a bit like Martin and a few other blokes, you can pick and choose. You don't pick and choose, but you don't. Have, you probably don't defend as well. Don't you def- don't defend as well, or you don't want to defend. Can, it's like so. You're a coach, and whatever level, but you have an absolute jet. Yeah, he's a midfield jet because that's where most of the jets play. Yeah, and he just kind of. He's a bit like LeBron. He kind of picks his moments. Like if it's absolutely on the line, it's abs- like it's a crunch game, one point game or one kick game, he'll obviously run back. We've yeah. seen five do that. We've seen Martin do that. Yeah. But if you're up by two goals, you're up by three goals, he might let a contest go. Do you pull him up and say you can't do that? Or do you, he's obviously the biggest ego in the team. You have to stroke it and just cop it sweet. No, you do remind him. You do, you do tell them, you know, look, look you still got a man to play on. You still got to do defensive acts. But I think they've got a bit more... Like like most things with good players, they do tend to get a bit more of a... A leash. A leash, yeah. More of a leash than, say, your 18th, 9th player. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. Rules for some, rules for others, of course. Yes, well, when you're that good, you, you're allowed some leniency. Yeah, just point to your brown line. 
All right, our 50-50 picks. Thursday night it starts. Adelaide, $1.80 home favourites versus Geelong, who are $2 outsiders at the Adelaide Oval. The line here, two and a half. The over-under, 169. Is this a coin toss or Geelong that good now that they should put Adelaide away at Adelaide at night time? My concern for Adelaide is Marks is hot 50 for them. They've taken one of the, for the having Jenkins and Walker and... 15 for the year so far, which yeah. ranks them second last yeah. behind Collingwood. So you look at that, you know, Collingwood plays a small four line. We want to, you know... Bring it to our, ground, our scrum mid, it. Yeah, yeah. Our midfielders kick a lot of goals and small forwards. Is West Coast rely probably heavy on Walker and Jenkins to kick goals and probably Eddie Betts as well. But he's getting older and not as uh, dynamic as he once was. I just worry, yeah, I just think that that might play into Geelong's hands with their, the way they set up behind the footy. They're very good defensively. Um... So I reckon it'll be a low-scoring game. Part of me wants to tip Geelong, but again, I just think early in the year, you just pick the home team, and surely Adelaide don't lose two in a row at home. If it was, if it was in Melbourne, I'd be tipping Geelong, put it that way. Geelong's defence will set up really well for Adelaide's forwards, and they might not be able to score enough, and if uh, Geelong get on a roll like they did on the weekend, well, they, they should win. Well, you say that, and so why can't they win Adelaide then? Because look at their midfield. You say their midfield on form and on raw talent is better than Adelaide's midfield. Yep. You'd say they probably have, yeah, their defence is going to shut down an Adelaide attack that's tall, slow, and not performing, not taking marks. I, I just hope that, you know, they obviously learnt from round one where Hawthorne picked them apart. Mm. I'm hoping that Don Pikes actually said, all right, well, we got picked apart this way. John played a bit similar with that their defence. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure we don't bomb it in long all the time. We hit up our forwards. Surely they've gone throughout this week to to stop Geelong having that dominance. Yeah. Do you think they played too conservatively? Adelaide. So they're, they're up there they're with some slow. of the... bit slow. And, and, and like, they have the highest rate for disposals per inside 50. And then they have the lowest clanger rates. So they play really safe, really methodical football. But then I think they're going too slow into forward 50. That's a bit what Geelong did against mm. us. They were really slow methodical like we were against Richmond as well. They probably are a bit slow. I think they need to take the game on more. I think you've seen this year already, the teams have been successful, the teams taking the game on, opening up that the one-on-ones down four because you can't, you don't have as many blokes behind the, behind the footy anymore. Yep. Just because of the 6-6-6 six, six, six rule, the the way teams set up, probably after the initial stoppage, it, you know, blokes go behind the footy and the setups change a bit, but still, it's not as probably prevalent as it once was, uh, or going back last year. Um, and teams tend to play with a deeper forward now anyway. Look, I'm just, yeah, I'm still on LA just at home, just hoping they can uh, t- make more of the inside 50s and learn from their round one loss against mm-hmm. against Hawthorne. And obviously picking up where they left off on, you know, when they beat Sydney, that was pretty impressive the way they did that. So, yeah, I'm back in the, the midfield and forward line of Adelaide to get the job done. Fair enough. And our last game, another 50-50. Could be a sure thing depending on what you think about Richmond post-Rants, but it's the Giants who are hosting the Richmond at Giants Stadium. They're $1.63 favourites. Richmond, $2.25 outsiders. The line, a slender, 8.5. The over-under, 164. The Giants won the inside 50 count 62-47 last week in the West and lost. Yeah, like that. Is that a positive or a negative in the sense that does that show that they can take it up to the best teams? Yeah, or like was that, that just them losing the plot a little bit? Nah, I, like, I like a bit of polish going forward. Get, they'll probably get Kelly and uh, Green back this week as well. I, I, I agree with the market here. I can't 
see how Richmond, without Rance, without Rewalt, and a few of their midfielders have been down, like uh, Prestia hasn't been as good. Obviously, the media's been talking about Dusty. Cotchin mm-hmm. probably didn't have his best game last week. Um, the pressure and the intensity of Richmond's dropped off a bit. I expect them to bring it fully just because of the media pressure. I think they're, they're a sort of team that are pretty proud, and they'll bring it on on, uh, on Saturday Arvo against GWS. Whether that'll be enough to stop the midfield of JWS and the forward line of JWS with Green, Cameron, Himmelberg. Uh, I think that's, I mean, and Grimes out as well, isn't he? He is. He's been suspended for a week. So he's your best defender. So your two best defenders out. Um, do you get back, like, um, who was out last week? Hawley and stuff like that. I don't know if they come back. Wouldn't think so. No. So, yeah, I just think that you're losing too many soldiers and, uh, GWS get a couple of very, very good ones back to go. They're already very, very good team. Uh, I, I really hope GWS don't play Mumford. I think they should stick with Dawson Simpson. Mm. Uh, I think he's pretty respectable on the weekend. He was in round one as well. You know, he had 33 hitouts. I think he uh, dominated the ruck against West Coast. So I think they should stick with him. And yeah, I think your injuries are probably going to start catching up with you now, especially when you've got players suspended as well. And GWS will want to bounce back after that disappointing uh, loss to West Coast, where they were in the game for a good you know, quarter and a half, half, and then they got absolutely pumped in that second half. But again, they still were able to, a bit like Melbourne and a few other teams, they still had plenty of inside 50s and, and ruined the game, just they couldn't score. So it's just, yeah, it shows that foundation. And I think Collingwood showed the way to beat Richmond. It's possession, it's being clean with the footy, and it's making them defend for longer and not be able to play that surge football. And play that play that possession, but also territory game. Yeah, GWS are in that top kind of half of the competition to top third in terms of possession rates, disposal efficiency, kick mark chains. They they play that they can play that super clean, yeah, that Collingwood Geelong style of football where you just start the opposition of the of the ball. Just give it to Zach Williams and Whitfield. They will hit tit most days. Yeah, like, absolutely. Just, yeah, and then added the fact that you've got Himmelberg and Cameron at the front. And the Giants are already winning, on average, about half of their one-on-ones Well, against a second-tier Richmond defence. That all spells GWS to cover for mine. They'll easily cover the 8.5, in my opinion, at $1.90, money for jam. Uh, the one sixty-four, I'd stay away from that over-unders. Um, just this time of year, it's probably hard to work out if a team's losing, will they score enough points to push that over or not? Yeah, I think Richmond will make it a bit of a slog. They'll try and put as much pressure on as possible and make it a bit of a scrappy game to try and keep in it but I think just GWS's class around the footy with their use will just over the get the job done in the end yeah and yeah, their four line's pretty dangerous even if Toby Green's at 80% he's still a pretty handy player to have down there so um, and obviously Coniglio had a pretty quiet week last week and I reckon he'll bounce back and Torino's form's been good so yeah their midfield's been good and uh, Richmond's midfield hasn't so I'm, on form I'm going with GWS Cold pies and hot takes. I will ask you for your hot take for round three if you have one, but let's refresh on round two's hot take. And round one. And round one's hot take. Yeah, Wish is gone. How many more losses, though? Because you did say he'd be gone last week. You said if they lose to St Kilda, he's gone. Yeah. And he was almost gone because Hoodie made the front page, or the the front page of the sports section, with 
he's you know cheer squad saying he should return to the Essendon Football Club, and then Wush is saying, well, that's not happening on my watch. And all I thought in my head was, it might not be your watch much longer. Uh, to be completely honest with you, James Hill will never coach in the system again. But anyway, he can't. It's, it, that's, yeah, yeah that's, that, that 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 story was an absolute farce. But the fact that it has any legitimacy and lasted for more than twenty four hours, yeah, and it'll, it'll, shows that it will people affect, want Wush around, and it will affect the players. Yeah. So they play Melbourne, which obviously sweet. Then they play Brisbane, which is no gimme at the MCG. And Brisbane won't be up for that because they want to win at the G. They'll want to play and win at the G. I reckon round five, they play North Melbourne. If they're 0-4 going into round five and lose to North, he'll get sucked and they'll beat us Anzac Day around six. <laughs> you watch you watch people. But uh, yeah, jeez, they've got to start winning some games before you because uh, when your president comes out and starts backing you in and uses references of uh, Richmond and Collingwood and you know, those sorts of clubs that stick with their coach. But Not many of those teams were 0-2, 0-3, 0-4 though. And Mr. before and recruited as heavily as they have top-end talent, giving up top-end draft picks. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Choose one. Everyone's favourite time of the podcast, our money-making time, our feature bets for round three. Kick us off with your multi-please barrel. It's head-to-head, mate. Brisbane, Dogs, Ferret, Giants. With bet boost, you get around five bucks. Fair enough. I've gone a bit more exotic here. I'm taking it all, the three-leg multi, same-game multi, uh, Brisbane versus Port Adelaide, Brisbane at home. I'm taking Port Adelaide to win the first quarter, head-to-head, Brisbane to win the match, head-to-head, and over one seventy two and a half is paying nine dollars seventy five. What is your roughy for the weekend, Baz? Uh, tab have this up generally. Uh, you can pick both teams' scoring range. So Carlton sixty one seventy two, Sydney seventy three to eighty four. I'd be very surprised if you can get around ten to fifteen dollars for that. It generally comes up twenty four hours for the game. There you go. My value bet will be the Saturday night grand final rematch West Coast to win head-to-head, paying $2.60. Jump on that early. What's your value, Baz? Uh, my value will be Carlton, six one seventy two. Bet you'll probably get anywhere between 2 and $3, maybe a bit more. And my sure thing will be GWS to cover the line of 8.5 against the Wounded Tigers. That's paying $1.90, obviously. And your sure thing, Baz? Uh, yeah, Brisbane at the line. I'd even take Brisbane over 15 and a half, see what, the line, see what they're offering for that. Because I think if you get around 230, 240, they will win and they'll win by 20, 30 points. Wow, a $2.30 sure thing to end at our round three pod. The barrel himself is filling himself. If you're filling yourself and your tips and your picks, send us them via Twitter at SC underscore mag underscore Oz or on our Facebook page, which is Sporting Chance magazine or slide into our own Twitter DMs. We'll be on there online giving our opinions, whether they're due or not. Or you can see us down at our sponsor's pub, the Yorkshire Hotel in Abbotsford. And if you did follow our, our plays last round... We got up. We have five out of eight and well in front, so get on. Get on. Get on.